Welcome to the first live recording of Leadership Worth Sharing, which is taking place on day one of Akivo Fest. Uh, I'm here with Kim Shutler, Chief Executive of the Seller Trust, which is a multi-award winning mental health charity in Bradford. Thank you so much for joining me today, Kim, and for being our volunteer for our first ever live podcast recording. Thank you for having me. Um, just kick off a bit about you. Can you tell us about you and your background and how you came to lead the Seller Trust? Yeah, sure. So I've been at the Seller Trust for almost exactly six years and I had a really, really big career change to come and do this job. Um, so I'd always worked in the public sector, I'd always worked in universities actually, um, in sort of comms and, um, and organisational development, although Funnily enough, my first ever job was I was the women's officer in a student union. So I started my career in that like real campaigning job and then took a bit of a diversion. Um, and then I, tra I trained to be a coach. And then when you train to be a coach, they really give you a good prod about what, what is it that you really want to do with your life. And it always came back to like, I really, really wanted to go, come and work in this sector. And it was all a bit scary about how do you get off a, a career trajectory that you're on um, and then I saw this job and I thought, mm, I'm just going to go for that, just take a bit of a punt um, and it'd be good experience for the interview or whatever. And um, to cut a long story short, they they offered me the job then and I thought, ah, oh, um, now what do I do? Well, I better take it. Otherwise, I'll I'll regret forever not having the guts to take it. And so, yeah, so here I am. And just tell me a bit about the Seller Trust and, and what it does as an organisation and who, who you work with. Yeah, so we're, we're a mental health charity. We've been around for um, just over 30 years, um, mostly working with people with severe and enduring mental health problems. Uh, we work across Bradford, Airedale, Wharfdale and Craven and run up a, a range of different services to support people recovering from mental health problems. And the size of the organisation? Um, so, so we've grown quite a lot. Um, so we're... We're now, I think this year will be about 1.7 million. So we've, 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 we've just over tripled in size since I've been there. And, and how many staff do you have? We've got uh, probably getting on for 60 staff. Right. And I, I, what I'm really interested in, in, in you, Kim, because I came up and, and had a, a meeting with you and, and yeah, got, yeah. got the tour. That was really lovely. And um, it was really fascinating to see the work you do at the Seller Trust. And it's a very, it's, it's an intense um job that you have um it's very full-on um you work with a lot of um people with quite severe mental health difficulties uh, it's quite high pressure on you and on the team but you also on top of all of that you are a leading light in the leader voluntary and community sector in Bradford I mean you you chair the Bradford voluntary community sector assembly which is the elected leadership for the sector in the borough you represent the sector at the local public services executive, the, well, the wellbeing board, uh, and a member of the NHS England Adult Mental Health Steering Group. I mean, just saying all of that is exhausting. How do you, how do you, how did you take that step from, from running a, a, a local charity to deciding you wanted to be part of the kind of wider fabric of civil society in the area? Um, so when when I when I got this job, um, we if I'm honest, you know, our reputation for partnership and being outward facing was was poor. It was, you know, it wasn't good. We were known as being sort of um, old fashioned, not really into partnership working. And, you know, when and we had some big issues like we were on our knees 
And so for me, and this is probably, even though I probably wouldn't have given myself this job, one of the things that I am good at is partnership and, 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 and building relationships. So getting out and understanding the climate that I was working in and the funders and the stakeholders was, was crucial. Um, and building relationships, you know, most of our, about two thirds of our money comes from the NHS or local, local authority. Um, so getting to understand the wider health and care system was really, really crucial to our success. And that's where I realised that the opportunities for the VCS that we weren't really taking as a sector locally, um, really, there was there was there was loads of potential. Um, and I, and I felt frustrated that we as a sector weren't um, probably maximising those opportunities. So I suppose in those cases, you can either sit back and grumble about what's in place to influence and think, well, that's a load of rubbish. Or, you know, or you can step up and say, right, I'm going to be one of the people that does something about that. So that's when I started to do more representation for the sector because I care a lot. Of, you know, I obviously care about my organisation. I'm very, very passionate about local charities. I'm really passionate about the sector. So I think, you know, you've got to put your money where your mouth is. And if you can, step forward and influence in that way. That's interesting. And I'll come on to that a bit more about the kind of broader um, uh, environment. But just in terms of uh, Seller Trust itself and that, you talked about how when you started, it didn't have a culture for working in partnership. And I, I recognise that. Uh, I, I would say that uh, Akivo, uh, when I started, was was in a similar kind of situation. Um, but it's quite hard to change the culture of an organization from something that is let's I mean, let's be generous and say autonomous um, to something that uh, is is reaching out and partnering with others. And it was a really interesting comment. I think it was Julia Unwin who once said to me that the, the, the collaboration has uh, has has connotations of betrayal. So in a sense, you have to as part as part of a partnership, you have to subsume the specific needs of your own organization for the greater good and that is a definite mind shift and a culture shift so how did you just interested to see how you went about mm -hmm. that at seller trust to sort of embed that that partnership culture um if i'm like if i'm honest i think in the beginning that was very much driven by me as an individual leader building those relationships with key people within the you know within the within the sector itself or and you know in terms of our funders over time that you know that was a weakness to have that entirely sort of you know be so reliant on me as a, as a you know as a single leader so then at once that you know once we'd overcome that big leap I suppose then it was about like how do we embed that within our organization and culture and that becomes the way that we do things um you know partnership you know is one of our values and how do we create a narrative around the benefit of that I think once you start to see or once the team and you know start to see the the benefit of working in that way then that just becomes the nature of what we do um i've had a you know i'm, I'm just like i've had a kicking from um from people in the sector about the way in which i operate on an integrated basis with with statutory services because they'll say you know you're too in bed with the nhs you're too in bed with the local authority you know do, do you um do you maintain your independence and i've got a really strong line on that I'm, you know i think that we influence a lot better from the inside. Um, you know, I think they don't, they'll always say that I'm very, you know, very, very challenging, but in a different way, probably to sitting on the outside and, um, you know, throwing in the, the grenades. Mm. Yeah, we had a conversation about that in one of the sessions this morning, actually, about um, with Patrick Vernon um, in the Kiva Fest about, um, you know, are you inside the tent or outside the tent? And, and actually having 
having a mixture of of that within the local or even the national environment is is really helpful you you need people on the inside who are um who are who understand the relationships and who can move things forward but equally it is, does help sometimes to have those kind of sharper voices on the outside driving driving things forward um and and in terms of that just sort of being on the inside of the tent what do you see as your role as as kind of facilitating other voices within those conversations I think once you're in the tent you can be a lot sh- once you're in the tent you can be a lot sharper in your you, you know in your challenge um I've noticed during Covid and the work that I've done you know as part of the gold command which is like the structure you put in place for the response um I've had to be sharper because there's not been time for faffing around basically <laughs> you know so so I've probably learned to be sharper and braver with my responses but I think they've landed better because because of the established relationships and the trust that I had um if I'd, if I'd have gone in there immediately sort of new to the table with the you know with the sharp um I don't think it would have immediately had the same well I don't think I would have been invited and I don't think it would have had the same response yeah you need to you need to build up trust in order to be able to be that kind of critical the voice of the critical friend if you like don't you yeah yeah I I'm I I love I love that I got very excited about this expression gold command because I got I, I went all sort of Jane Tennyson and prime suspect and Juliet Bravo which probably just shows my age um, but I just sort of felt it, it all feels terribly sort of dramatic that you were on gold command. So I wondered if you could just tell me a bit about how that worked, because this is um, this has been one of the big challenges I think we've had as a sector um, and, and as charity leaders during the COVID crisis, that we haven't in some areas been able to make the case or persuade government that that our sector needs to be at the table excuse me having conversations about about policy and direction and and how things should get done but but you have really bucked that trend I think on a on a a regional or local basis um, and have somehow uh, managed and uh, to be seen as a genuine strategic partner within within the solution making or the the decision making process um, of, of the response to COVID. So can you just tell me a bit about how you got onto Gold Command without being um, without being in uniform? Oh, it sounds really grand, doesn't it? I mean, I think everywhere has got a requirement for a Gold Command and it's just, it's the group of leaders that, that I think the Chief Executive of the Council pulls together to create the, the emergency response. Um, and it was essentially that broadly it was the people that were health on um, health and wellbeing boards. So every local area will have one of those, but not not with the elected members. So it's your, your chief execs of the hospitals, fire, um, you know, police, all of that. Um, and so I guess because we'd worked really, really hard in terms of our strategic relationships locally, um, there was probably never a question that the VCS would have been. Um, part of the gold command so I was quite surprised that that wasn't the case in other areas of the country and I suppose credit to the chief exec of the council credit to the um, you know Kirsten England credit to Helen Hurst who's the chief exec of the CCG who who will always invite us to the table because they you know they specifically know that we bring something different in terms of the voice and the challenge and the innovation and the agility so that they would miss out if we weren't at the table. I think that probably is the answer then, which is that the established relationships and the trust you'd already built up in good times um, uh, really came to the fore when the crisis hit, because 
I, I, I like that sense that there wouldn't have been any thought that you wouldn't have been at the table. And I think if we extrapolate that to a, to a national level, um, I think it's the opposite. I think government just never really, national government uh, in, in, in many areas just didn't, didn't really think that we would be at the table. We, we just weren't, you know, we, we weren't sort of front of mind. And, and that I think is, is a challenge for, for the wider sector to build those relationships and build that trust within, within different levels of government uh, to ensure that we do, have, we do have that kind of strategic voice. And that's not been for want of trying, has it, Vicky? Like, you know, you know, I look at the work <laughs> people like you and Carl and others do to, to influence and, you know, and literally everything within, within your, your body and soul to make that happen. I think, you know, we're lucky to some extent that those key individuals are of a mind that they, you know, they are socially minded, they understand or that, you know, they, they understand the BCS as well and the value. So, you know, it's not all down to our influencing skills. You know, it's a credit to those to those leaders um, but yeah, you have to, I mean, we've worked really hard to shift the narrative, I think, and then from commissioner provider, like, which is a very, very transactional relationship. Um, so everything that we've done is to try and shift away from that so that they're not just seeing us like this, you know, with our begging bowls, or, you know, our fifth, come on, can we have your scraps? And they're not seeing us as always the people that are shouting at, uh, shouting at them. So yeah. Um, yeah, credit to the the other leaders in the system who who've who've welcomed us in in that way. And so, what what advice would you give to other um, sector leaders such as yourself, perhaps on a on a on less on a national basis, but on a more regional local basis, about how how they can operate at that kind of level of decision making? What 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 would you say? If, you know, where do they start, and what advice would you give? I mean, I suppose the first thing to say is that, it, you know, the, for example, the representation and leadership that we have in Bradford is, is, is really flawed in that, like, I do that as I do this as a voluntary job on top of this, you know, running the seller trust. And it, it's not, a vol you know, it should be a paid job, really, you know, to give it the best. Um, and, and what it means is that the people who represent the sector, and of course you can't, because how can you possibly be one person who represents like five and a half thousand organisations um, and do that justice? You can't, you know, there's not the mechanism to do that. Um, but it means that you, you've got to be of a certain size organisation. You've got to have a board of a certain nature um, to release you to do that, which means that you're never going to get that diversity of leadership at the top table, which I think is something that we're working on locally. It's something that I'm not very, I don't think that the chair's position actually is very sustainable myself. It's also quite risky. You know, if I, I've, I've got quite a lot of influence and, you know, when I, and I've got no real, um, you know, I'm not paid to do it. There's, there's a, there's a challenge with accountability there. So using, you can use that influence, which I, I hope I do for the for the for the best um, with integrity, but you could not do that as well. So I think it is it's a bit problematic in that sense. Mm. And how have you managed it on a sort of more personal level? How have you managed that balance, particularly during the crisis of you know running running the organisation, coping with the with the wider crisis uh, partnership work, and and potentially uh, at some point having almost a bit of a life. How have you how have you got those things? Is that the bit that's gone uh, in, in the mix? 
And do you know what I was thinking about the last Akiva conference? I um, present. Um, I, w- I did a little video about your leadership competencies, and the one was there was one about self aware self care. And, and at the time, I said, "Well, I'm a total fail on that." This was like the ultimate fail. <laughs> you know? um, dead honest, for two months, I had I operated like I felt like I was operating in a parallel universe. Um, and you know, there were not just me; there were you know, there were a small number of us who were probably working sort of from half six to eleven at night um, on this. And you know, and I, I didn't realise, you know, I was pro, you know, I was very, very close to burning out. I was very close to making myself really ill then, um, but I felt a huge weight on my shoulders. So I was lucky because I have got to the point at the Seller Trust and probably only just in the past year or so, got on a really, really strong leadership team. So essentially they ran the ship. My board were very supportive of that because they saw the, the value of it for, for us in the district. Um, so, yeah, so to some extent, you know, I, I had my senior leadership running the Seller Trust and just checking in with them whilst I went and did the district work. Mm. So you were really you, you you took on another full time job on top of your full time job, um, and you were able to do that because you had a team around you that could could pick up the um, pick up the slack that you when you weren't there, which not everybody has the um, the benefit of. Definitely that, not. Yeah, and that feeds into your point about how those. Sorry, carry on. A few years ago, I wouldn't have been able to do that, and if our if we hadn't have been in a more stable position as an organization I wouldn't have been able to do that so very very lucky organizationally you know and because of the supportive board to be released you know to be able to most most places wouldn't and that does feed into the comment that you made earlier on about the structure of that role and how you know if it was a paid role then then actually you could have backfilled and got some extra help in in the seller trust and um uh, and you would have been as it were compensated for 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 doing the role that you the extra role that you were doing so it does it does make it does make it difficult doesn't it it does and actually just within the sector it's difficult you know probably the council would have paid me to do that and to you know to step up and work for them but I couldn't take that payment because I think that would have been seen as problematic from within the sector itself so I think there's definitely there's a lot of um, discussion that goes on about whether or not you can be um, a representative and sit around the table and, and fight for the sector at the same time as being a provider. And, you know, there was griping people saying, oh, you know, what is she blooming Mother Teresa? She must be getting some sort of backhander or, you know, so I didn't, we didn't take any payment for that because I just, it wasn't really worth the grief from our, from our own sector, actually. Which means that you were Mother Teresa. So that's, that's a win, isn't it? <laughs> I think you can can put that on your CV I would say (laughs) I was Mother Teresa for the sector during Covid I I, I would definitely Uh, but actually talking I mean not not unlike Mother Teresa uh, if I can sort of uh, segue from that analogy you you were involved in in decision making that was that was literally about life and death stuff Uh, that that is what you do at that level Um, how did you how did you cope with that you know in terms of your kind of personal resilience at a time when you were burnt out you know when you were bordering on burnout just with the volume of it yeah I mean I I I probably am um I think what was interesting looking at the way that different leaders responded to the pandemic um some people really do well in under pressure and in an emergency 
I probably am one of those people. Whereas I saw other leaders who really, really struggled. They like black and white, and you know. Whereas I, I love a bit of, I love a bit of drama. <laughs> My team would say. Um, the decision making weighed really heavily on me because sometimes when I represent the sector at some of those boards, I feel like I represent humans. Um, that isn't to say that my colleagues who sit around the table don't do that. I just think that they have to, by their very nature, operate in a political environment where they can't comment or there are rules or um, they're used to working with numbers rather than thinking about the people in the community. So I felt around the table that sometimes I had, was the only one around the table who was really advocating for some of that stuff. Um, quite often, I was the only person around the table who uh, wasn't white. Um, that felt a huge weight to carry as well. Um, so, it, you know, it was hard. It was really hard. And, and, um, and also, <laughs> I was the only person on the table who could probably be a little bit political and challenging. So sometimes I'd have my public sector colleagues texting me and saying, oh, thank you for saying that. I couldn't say that. So um, it felt a lot of responsibility that was difficult. And we did the very, very best that we could. Um, you know, was it perfect? No, it wasn't. But, you know, you know, I've, I did. We did our best in the circumstances. And I'm interested in the. Uh, I mean, I don't. I don't want to sort of dwell too much on it, but the sense of, if you like, carping from the sidelines. Uh, maybe that's a bit harsh, but but that that you were getting. You know, there was friendly fire uh, involved in this for you. Um, is there something? You know, what would you want to? What message would you want to sort of convey to? to others in the sector about the kind of role that you had and, and, and what you had to do that, that might just sort of ease that friendly fire another time? Um, I mean, wow, I don't, I think, you know, I, when, I, when I'm at that table, like I don't introduce myself as Kim from the Cellar Trust, I introduce myself as the chair of the assembly. Um, I think, you know, I, you're there and you're able to influence because you've got individual relationships. So in, inevitably, that's the thing that makes you good at your job for influencing on behalf of the sector. But it's the thing that makes people suspicious because they want to know why hasn't there been a wider consultation of the sector? So it's very, you know, I don't know what the answer is, you know, to build to build the trust so that people feel that when you're at the table, you're doing the best thing or the best you can for them. Mm. Um, I can hand on heart say that that's what I do. And I think the results you know, probably speak for themselves. Like we've done some big negotiations on behalf of the sector that I don't think have been successful in other areas of the country. Um, we got our CCG and local authority to pay all of our sector up front for a full year. We just, you know, um, we've, we've got them to agree to support organisations with who are having cash flow issues for next year as well and to roll over contracts. So I think you have to probably let your results speak for themselves and you probably have to just know that there's always going to be the haters and, and to get a bit of a thicker skin because my skin isn't that thick and I try really hard to work on that, but it isn't. Maybe that how could that be in the leadership competencies, get a, get a thicker skin. <laughs> I just, uh, is, is, it, is it about getting home and just putting Taylor Swift on? You know, hate is going to hate. You've just got to <laughs> shake it off. Is that, was it a bit like that? You know, I've got a little boy, he's, he's eight and um and he, you know, we'd have a kitchen disco. We'd like dress up in fancy dress and bounce on the bed. We made like a giant snakes and ladders around the house. That's the stuff that brings you down to earth, doesn't it? Because you literally have to 
put a different hat on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, the, you know, and you have to focus on the amazing things. You know, I met some amazing people. We did amazing work during that time. So for all the haters, there's, there's masses of love and, you know, hope. Definitely, definitely. And so what would you say as a, as a leader then, um, you have learned, what were your biggest sort of leadership lessons, do you think, through this, apart from take better care of yourself, Kim Shuttler? If we put that to one side, what, what other key things do you think, are, you know, that you, you've developed as a leader during that time? Um, I think, you know, we, as in terms of system leadership and operating across the district, I think what I realised is that we all live in our you know even though I'm quite well networked we live in our little silo so I um I network with the same people in the mental health world or, or particular groups the 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 power of the VCS response has been at a micro I in, from, from what I've observed has been at like that micro level it's been at you know it's been in individual communities it's been based on people's trust um so I've learned a lot more about um about community development which isn't you know which isn't my background and it's not you know it's not the forte of the seller trust because we deliver mental health services so I've created connections better connections to understand our communities better um and what those organizations bring to the table and I've and created and, and I suppose realized about actually it's the power of bringing together not just the mental health crew but the mental health with education with business all how do we work together for the place not just for our own little bit of it um has been a really valuable lesson you know for me um and i'm interested at the, the right at the beginning you talked about how um you had uh, done coaching training um and i wondered about whether that training in terms of you know listening skills and and reflection skills and um sort of almost putting putting yourself to one side and and really focusing on another do you think those things really came to the fore in this or is it am I on a red herring you know what I actually think that leadership during a, a pandemic is is pretty commanding control um which isn't great because that's that is against everything that we sort of believe well everything I believe about you know really good leadership you know um, but what I realized is that people were because everybody was waiting to, you know, you know, to pussyfoot around each other. Some people really struggled with taking some decisive action. And when you're talking about you actually need some really clear actions and decisions made about getting people food um, or getting homeless people housed safely, um, you you actually haven't got time to to spend a great deal of time you you need to give people confidence sometimes by being being more decisive so um so it was you know it's against an instinct I think um I think that that was in the beginning when it was very like intense I think that's moved on since then and actually we have to return to the principles of leadership that we all know and value but in the beginning there was a need for a bit of that command and control and when some of the leaders in the system weren't doing that you could see people crumbling because they were lacking in direction will that be hard to give up because there's something quite um seductive about command and control uh that you know things get done very quickly uh there's no messing about you're just straight in and on um is there something that you will uh regret having to segue back to the old ways of doing it or are you looking have you, have you enjoyed going back to your um to more kind of consensual and um 
collaborative approach? Um, you know, the, the, sometimes I think, you know, again, with our sector, you know, we're so huge, we're so disparate, you know, it's like sometimes it can be like knitting fog and sometimes you just think, oh, we just need to crack on. But actually, that's not how we can operate. But, you know, there's no there's no mandate for me. I'm not the chief exec of the sector in Bradford. I'm just like I just play a facilitative role. So. So, yeah, there is, you know, I'm an impatient person. Another failing. Um but uh, and so I like to get things done quickly. But some, you know, but if you don't bring people on board with you, then you know, then you're hiding to nothing, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of what happens next, so so the theme of Akiva Fist this week is uh, reflect, reboot, rebuild. Um, we've just we've done a bit of reflection today. Uh, in terms of the sort of rebuilding, what, what are your hopes for um, should this should that day ever come, kind of post pandemic life? Uh, what, what do you think, what are you hoping will remain uh, from all of this to, to take forward into a more positive future? I mean, I think for the, if there were people within the, you know, funders or public sector who didn't understand the value of the VCS before, they, I think they certainly do now. I think, you know, probably this is a bit of a challenging thing to say, but um, with the, ex with a couple of exceptions, it was the local organisations who who were um, invested in the place who mobilised, so your local VCS organisations. Now, the exception to that is that there are a couple of big nationals who really operate like locals. But in the main, that some of those big players did, weren't there. They were like, that's not in my contract. Um, so actually, I think I, I think locally we'll, we'll see more investment in 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 the local VCS, which you know, which is something I, I really advocate for. We're part of the Keep It Local work that's done by locality and you know and Lloyd's um I think we've put in new infrastructure to enable the VCS to operate a little bit differently like we put in a whole new volunteering infrastructure and then we've been able to actually negotiate quite a lot of shift in resources because I think they've recognized that we can do things that that they can't do so you know an example of that now is you know all the test and trace stuff there's been quite a big investment in the VCS because actually our communities don't really trust some of the um, some of those structures, but they do trust the community organisations. So I think there's been a lot more recognition of um, our value in terms of engagement and trust, um, which I hope we'll see a shift in terms of how we're involved and how organisations get commissioned going forward. Um, you know, which which is only positive for for our sustainability because, of course, it's you know it's a tricky time for everybody. And. What was, the, was there anything fun about it? What, what was the fun bit in all of this? Uh, the fun bit, I mean, I, you know, like, you know, amongst all that stress and stuff, like I do get a kick out, I, you know, as I said, I, like I do get a kick out of that. So that's, you know, um, and, and you know what, it was fun meeting new people. It was fun seeing, I wouldn't use the word fun, but it was really, really heartening amongst all the doom and gloom, and it still is to see how, you know see the generous leadership to see how the community's mobilized to see that people were prepared to put everything aside to do the right thing and to do the right thing for people um and that you know that brings you a lot of hope it really helps with resilience amongst what can otherwise feel like a pretty depressing place fantastic kim thank you so much thank you for um being part of our podcast today. Thank you for all you've done for the community uh, during this crisis. And um, to people listening, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. This was 
leadership worth sharing. Um, don't forget to check out previous episodes. Um, everything's available on the Akiva website. Um, and that's up, us for today. Thank you very much and goodbye. Thank you.